Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Hayden Humphrey. He helps you get paid to be yourself and 10x your results. A few years ago, he left his full-time corporate job to pursue his passions and create a life where he had more freedom, flexibility, and fun. He's a professionally trained success coach and works with people like you, conscious, highly motivated rock stars and helps you amplify your impact and get paid to be yourself. So let's check out what Hayden Humphrey is talking about. So I'm trying to change up the format of how I start the podcast. Usually what I would do is I would do the intro within the conversation and then, you know, get into the episode. But I think I want to change it up a little bit where we just get into the conversation, you start a conversation and then I, you know, I'll record the intro later on I don't, I don't know if i need to tell you that but um <laughs> just something i've been experimenting because because again you know this is this is kind of like a hobby that started and i'm kind of growing it but not putting too much time in it because i do mm-hmm. also have a full-time job right. as a you know user experience designer and you know there's a lot of time i'm thinking okay i need to come up with what are my set you know standards of processes yeah. so then I can hand off things for others to do yep. for me. Yep. And um, so I've been working on uh, working through those things. So it's been, it's been uh, very rewarding overall and it's been pretty, pretty fun as well. So that was the thing I realized in um, the podcast that I run the elevate podcast before mm-hmm. I started, I was like, <laughs> I have to get my process down. Yeah to know exactly what I'm responsible for and what other people are going to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this could be such a time suck. Oh. And like, you know, me doing a lot of like administrative and editing. And I was like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So before I even started recording, I literally sat down and I wrote out from beginning to end, like what I saw as the process of like what needed to be created in terms of content and show description and editing and follow-up emails, templating, scheduling, like all of these pieces. Um, and I luckily enough, the coaches training program that I'm associated with mm-hmm. is called Accomplishment Coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have a media arm called Accomplishment Media. And um, they basically support coaches in starting podcasts and writing books. And so I've been actually using them as the production company, so to speak, with my podcast where I just show up to the Zoom and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I invite someone to a calendar invite that I want to work with. Yeah. Um, production company sends the email with the intake form. I get the intake form with all their information. I show up to the Zoom meeting, yeah. they record it, they check levels, they do all the editing in real time. Um, and then they basically go through and post it. So it's like this like perfect, like, I'm, I was like, I just Dude, I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I had to figure all of that out on my own the past two years. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. So yeah, so it's awesome. been good because that was the whole thing was like, how do I just hand those pieces off so that I can mm-hmm. the thing that I love doing, which is, you know, having conversations with people. Yeah, that's, that's what I realized because mm-hmm. it all started like, I just wanted to do the podcast because I love creating media and I finally got into creating the podcast and documenting the process of, you know, my beekeeping. And so I was recording the episodes on my way to work on my, you know, on my way home and I had an hour long commute. So I was like, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's just do this, record it I, you know, and then I would just publish it right from my phone. And then as I started doing the interviews and started talking, getting more into it, I was like, I'm spending way too much time editing these episodes. I need to find somebody to edit them for me. And then sort of slowly, you know, slowly and slowly, I figured out the process. And then I ended up getting a Power Up Podcasting uh, course with uh, Pat Flynn. And uh, that's been really great. Nice. That's a so look far, it. but um, I need to apply more of the, the things that he's teaching in there. Uh, 
to the episode, to my podcast again, you know, like, like you say, you know, come up with those SOPs in the beginning. So then mm-hmm. you're just doing the one thing that's necessary to do. Yeah. I think I've realized it's even the same thing in, um, how I interview people and mm-hmm. how I, um, basically vet people as to whether or not they're going to be a good fit. Um, cause in the beginning I was just like, yeah, you seem nice and positive. Like come on the show. <laughs> and I just have had a couple of, I've had a couple of people who have like, um, just, it just wasn't the kind of conversation that I was looking to have yeah. for whatever reason. Um, so now I'm realizing like the way that I have initial conversations with people is mm-hmm. I very clearly articulate the vision that I have for the show and what I'm asking from someone in a yeah. conversation with me because I the the I, I want to have like a very intimate authentic open conversation with people yeah. um, and and not have it be a thing where they're like pitching their business or mm-hmm. talking about how great they are and you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. um cuz I I personally think the value and and the thing that's going to have someone want to buy from you is you showing up as a real human and yeah. not just you, like pitching yourself. So, um exactly. so I've had to like set that up and then enroll people in that vision and be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, here's what I'm asking. I'm setting the bar pretty high, and mm-hmm. if you're interested in making this same impact that I want to create, like yeah. then let me know and we can schedule a time to talk." No, that's really powerful. That's that's uh really good in that you know you're setting up the bar you're setting up the standards for your podcast because after all it is your podcast and then, <laughs> and in some communities I've, I've seen where you know they're like because i've been part of so many communities on podcasts and they're like hey um i just had an interview and i don't think this interview went too well and i don't think i'm gonna publish it mm-hmm. and people were like absolutely you know it's your podcast Mm-hmm. And if if it's not bringing the value that you think to the audience, then yeah, leave it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, I imagine that that's probably difficult for some people. At least yeah. you know when I think about my immediate tendency, it'd be like, well, this person said, you know, spend an hour of their time with me, and mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that there's like a certain there's a certain level of ownership that you have to take as the creator of a product and. Um, you know, if what you're creating is truly in service of people, like you're, you then need to be willing to say, I'm actually not going to share this because it's not up to the quality standards that I would like it to be. And that I know the listeners are actually worthy of, like they deserve something that is high quality, that is whatever. And so it's almost like you're taking the bullet (laughs) in that sense for, you know, for the audience and for the people to get the value that they need, but it requires a a level of commitment to the end product Mm -hmm. and your ego, you know, at the door. It's almost like you're, you'll be doing a disservice to your audience if you publish something that's not in line with what you're trying to, what your game is about, Mm -hmm. you know? So really, really awesome. I love it. So tell us a version of your uh, journey that no one's heard of before. You know, it's really oh. good to have you here on the podcast. We met through <laughs> unconventional leaders and, you know, I would love to, you know, get into the mind of Hayden mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, what's something nobody's heard of before. Oh man. That's a great question. I might have to steal that. <laughs> from my, from my podcast. Um, I think I, you know, I've talked about it in bits and pieces, but never cohesively that I've, you know, I think my journey uh, over the past couple of years and what I see really as like the core foundation of the life that I want to build is, is really seeking joy and seeking play in a sense. Yeah. Like for me, the most important thing to me is personal growth. Mm. Always. It's like, what can I learn from this? Um, how can I move myself forward? How can I learn more about myself? How can I practice something different? Because yeah. uh, the thing that matters most is me fully enjoying and experiencing the richness and depth of life as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, and spending the most amount of time that I can in that state, <laughs> so, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everything that I've done from the, you know, from where I went to college, from where I interned to where I moved afterwards to my, 
you know, to leaving the first company that I was at after eight months to um, jumping ship and being self-employed to becoming a coach. Like all mm -hmm. of these have been in service of me bringing parts of myself, my inner self out mm -hmm. into the world and creating a, a life and an experience that's a direct reflection of who I am as a person. Um, I think I just spent a, a lot of my life growing up performing and trying to be the thing that I thought people would want me to be mm -hmm. and um, people pleasing in a lot of senses. You know, I view one, one of my core fears is that I'm just an unlovable person. I'm just oh, unlikable. People aren't going to like me. And, um, you know, so I, I got to like perform. I got to, I got to smile a lot. Mm. I got to be really positive. I got to laugh all the time. I got to, you know, not share with people when they've upset me or when I'm mm -hmm. angry or, yeah, you know, whatever it is. And I've hidden a lot of those things away. And I, the more that I through um, chosen experiences and involuntary experiences, uh -huh. the more that I start to bring pieces of, of that, you know, yeah. out and, and I stop performing and stop the show, so to speak. Um, my life gets richer. <clears throat> I become more present. I experience less anxiety. I'm yeah. more intimately connected to people in my life. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, that's really what has driven me and continues to drive me. Dude, that's really intuitive. I mean, intuitive um, because it really, <clears throat> and it, it has, and I'm, see, anytime somebody makes a decision, a, you know, ex a decision like that, like the one you made, where you're being very direct and very upfront of what you want out of it. Mm. It shows me that, you know, you've brought up in an environment where your parents taught you the importance of making these decisions. Mm. Right. Because mm. from, for far, for as long as I can remember, I had very, very bad memory of you know all the things that I did was okay. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're this is supposed this is what you're supposed to be going to. You know, supposed to be going to uh, computer science or you know biology because those were the two options that we had mm -hmm. in high school. And then when when I came to the states, you know, I finally ended up going to the area that I that I thought was exciting for me mm -hmm. in, in one way or another, and there was also, you know, some, some restrictions, but again, I almost feel like that even though I'm in my forties, I feel like I'm in my twenties because I'm making the decisions yeah. that I should have been making back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome, but, you know, but watching your journey and listening to, you know, the different decisions that you made very positively shows me that, you know, you, you, you had access or you had mentors um that showed that guided you in one one way or another or you know or you watch you know people closely or maybe you're the only child i don't know i mean i'm i'm the oldest of seven <laughs> siblings yeah. right so there's divided yeah. attention of your parents yeah so there had you know there's like i think about these weird things but yeah no i mean and you're so right um you know i think that the way that we grow up does have a really profound impact on the people that we turn out to be and mm -hmm. you know where we learn how the world works is our parents and our family and the people mm -hmm. that were immediately around us. And so if that's dysfunctional, there's a high chance that a lot of the beliefs that we have and the stories that we have are at least somewhat dysfunctional or disempowered. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I would agree. I, I definitely feel like I'm in a place now where I have more agency mm -hmm. over how I make decisions and why I make the decisions that I do. Um, and, you know, it wasn't always like that. Like I, like granted, I, I grew up, I had a very privileged upbringing. I'm incredibly lucky to have had the upbringing that I did and, you know, the ability to go to college because not everybody is able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was on that exact, I was on the, this is what I'm supposed to be doing train. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this was the, you know, I went and I got the professional services job in New York. I, you know, moved to San Francisco. I worked at a startup. I joined um, LinkedIn, like a much larger technology company. And all of it was driven by this seems impressive this is what is going to impress the most number of people. Yeah. I do these large 
somewhat out of the ordinary, potentially difficult things. Mm-hmm. And the like, one of the biggest turning points for me was when I was working at LinkedIn, I missed my sales quota. This was at the beginning of 2017. Mm-hmm. I missed my sales quota and it really shook my world up, which, which you know, might sound a little bit dramatic, but the thing that I realized was how much I was letting my mood and how I connected with people be influenced by a totally arbitrary number. <laughs> like oh, wow. sales, completely <laughs> arbitrary number, right? Like it's yeah. a totally made up thing. And yet I was deriving my sense of self-worth from my ability to hit that number or not hit that number. And oh. I'd been doing that for a long time. Like, you know, basically deriving my sense of self-worth from my achievement and how successful mm-hmm. I was and the results that I was creating. Um, and so, you know, it's taken a lot of, coaching and therapy and reflection and, um, you know, all different types of experiences to, to get to the place where I feel like that's not so much driving the show anymore. Yeah. It's most important to me is serving and fully expressing myself and showing people how much I love them. Cause I love a lot of, I love everybody and mm-hmm. I want to know that. Um, but you know, I, I, the reason I share all of that is that this, the way that I now operate is available to everybody. Yeah. Like sense of agency and this sense of optimism and the sense of commitment and, and being in relationship with other people. It's totally available to everybody because I think it's, it's, it's our natural state as human beings. Yeah. It just gets covered up by conditioning and false beliefs and all these stories that are really just interpretations. They're not actually real. Absolutely, man. That, that, that makes so much sense. And when you said, you know, you're now all available and then some of the things that I noticed is, you know, you had, you reached out and you you had coaches to help you figure out, okay, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times you'll, you, you hear these stories and all the successful people have gone through some kind of hardship. Yep. And these hardships are like monumental. It's like I lived in a car for eight years you know, right. I, I, you know, either they're homeless, either they've, you know, gone to the basements of life itself, you know, Jay, um, I said JK Rowling's, you know, the author behind Harry Potter and what she experienced, mm-hmm. how she was able to come up on top, you know, the story of Tony Robbins and, you know, why he went into the area that he went into and how he learned from Jim Rohn. It's, it's mm-hmm. really inspiring because it shows you that not every day needs to be a daylight. I mean, you got to have those night moments. Mm-hmm. You got to have that balance to be able to appreciate the fun times. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's about the contrast. It Uh, is. I think about what's happening now. um, And I think it's being able to hold all of it. Like we were talking about earlier, like being with all of it. Um, Like the the great stuff and the really negative stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just posted, you know, on Facebook the other day about uh, the importance of feeling your feelings, like all of your feelings right now. Because I I realized, you Mm -hmm. know, recently I... Um, came to this place where I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to distract myself from my experience, like my bodily, mental, emotional experience. So yeah. I deleted a lot of social media off of my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like not really drinking so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not watching TV. Like I'm just, I'm not trying to distract myself from feeling and being with everything that comes up, especially the fear. Yeah. Um, because what I'm afraid it will happen is if I repress it or if I avoid it or if I don't talk about it, which is natural tendency for a lot of people, it just gets um, pushed down and becomes trauma. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a really traumatic experience. Yeah. So it's like you need to, you need to feel all of it. And part of it too, I think, is taking the judgment away from negative feelings. Like we only, we, I mean, it, it, we even Absolutely. label them negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it doesn't have to be either of that. Yeah. It's our interpretation of those things. Um, and I think that there's, um, you know, there is a lot of richness in life. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, vibrancy when we allow ourselves the whole spectrum of emotions and, um, you know, being able to, to be with maybe the more painful things and also face the more painful things that have happened. Yeah. To us. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. 
And what's amazing is, you know, when you're raising kids, it's a totally different experience because now kids want to have fun all the time. Yep. And when they're not having fun, <laughs> they're sad and bored. Like, well, you got to take in the boredom because if right. you are, if you're constantly having fun, you're going to have a very hard life. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's an important lesson that they've got to learn, you know, yeah. they're, they're home all day long. So, you know, you have to look at, okay, what, when's an appropriate time for them to go watch TV, to go outside, to yeah. sit down and do their, you know, do their workshop workbooks and, and uh, homework or because all the schools are also going virtual and they're like, oh, okay, it's, it's circle time. You know, we're reading mm-hmm. storybooks. So all of that is very important. <laughs> totally. Um, I think the thing I just, that came up for me when you were talking was like also the, the difference between play and distractions. Mm-hmm. Like I think I, I don't get me wrong. I love watching TV. I love playing video games. I play so much League of Legends. Like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But like, I also understand that a lot of times it's a distraction for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the real, the real feelings of joy and the real feelings of play and fun, um, like the really deep rooted, almost feel like it's coming from my soul type of emotions, um, happen when I'm with other people and happen yeah. when I'm not feeling anxious and when I'm mm-hmm. taking care of myself and I'm, you know, not running around in these stories of overwhelm or like mm-hmm. I'm not doing enough things or I didn't do a good enough job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that as people, if we let ourselves sit, sit and let everything come up, um, what the underlying emotion or the underlying experience is one of contentment and satisfaction and yeah. presence. And there's a lot of joy and positivity that can come from that. Um, so I, I think that's the thing for you know every, everybody to practice, kids included. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what does it look like to have fun without the distractions, but it just instead just like being and being present and being with others? Exactly. And I think this, there, you made a really good point about distracting versus playing because I find myself distracting. I, f- I find myself distracting myself mm. continuously, right? Um, either... Either on social media, either I'm, you know, looking at photos, I'm either I'm, you know, having a conversation, but again, I'm distracting myself from doing the real work that needs to be done. Mm. And sometimes it's okay because you need, your mind needs time to think and, and come up with these things or, you know, solve problems and whatnot. But other times you just need to be still and meditate and let your mind, you know, give it all the focus that you can, because even though you're distracting yourself and your mind is working, you're taking away valuable, um, you know, clock, clock ticks, or, you know, like they say, you know, when you're rendering a video on your computer, you leave everything, you, you basically stop doing everything else. So all of the CPU power is going towards rendering and you shorten that time. Yeah. I love that analogy. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I love that point. And the thing that came up for me as you were talking was I've been really practicing presence in the mm-hmm. last couple of months. And one thing that I realized in, you know, really trying to practice more consistently during the day was stopping myself from grabbing my phone and yeah. looking at social media or looking at my phone. And <laughs> what I realized is I would go to grab my phone and I would stop myself. Yeah. Um, cause I'd like, I'm like, I have no reason to check my phone. And mm-hmm. what I noticed is I'd be really uncomfortable. Mm. Really, it was almost uncomfortable to stop myself from just unconsciously habitually checking my phone. Yeah. So I, I then go to like, what am I trying to distract myself from? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that I can't be with right yeah. now in, you know, wherever I am on the train or walking around or at a mm-hmm. party or whatever it is. Um, and I, I've been reading, uh, rereading actually a book called The Untethered Soul by mm-hmm. Michael Singer. Brilliant, brilliant book. I would, I, like that's the book that I suggest to people mm-hmm. when ask me for book recommendations. Yeah. Um, but the part that in the book that he's talking about right now is how we've given our brains the impossible task of trying to control the outside world <laughs> in order to not trigger us, which is like ridiculous. Like what a it ridiculous is, yeah. job. And we wonder why we're so overwhelmed and why we can't turn our brains off. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, you know, I just think that there's like so much value in um, like being with and noticing and in a sense healing 
the discomfort and the triggers and the insecurities that we have mm-hmm. so that we can walk around and be super present and aware and connected and loving and peaceful um, and, you know, not have to perform and not have to think about, wow, can I, can I share my feelings with this person? Yeah. What are they going to say? Or can I say that in that way to this person or whatever it might be like just getting responsible for the internal stuff. um, So you don't get triggered as much by the external stuff. Absolutely. And it's, you know, when you said, you know, uh, you, you, you stop yourself from grabbing your phone and you feel uncomfortable. A lot of people are in that same boat with touching their faces. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. I'm like, oh, I just touched my face. Yeah, you know. Um, and I was like, and I'm I'm trying to read, and 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 uh, I was like, okay, let's get into the bottom of it. You know, why do we touch our faces anywhere from 16 to 24 times an hour? Mm. And it's insane. And 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 the science is like, you know, human beings and the primates are the only are the only two animals who touch their faces because it is a way to cope with anxiety. It's a way to, it's, it's, it's one way, basically you're touching your skin and it's, it creates some kind of endorphins or um, uh, oxytocin, which, which Interesting. causes some, you know, causes us to calm down or, or get, get to, you know, a, a safe space. So one of the things that people are saying, okay, um, because that is one of the ways that, you know, this, these viruses transmit is from your, from your hands to your face. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that you can do is either, you know, have like a fidget spinner or something to fidget with or sit on your hands if you're not using, <laughs> you're not using, <laughs> using them. <laughs> or if you think you're going to be touching your face. And I'm like, wow, that's super, that's pretty cool. Fidget spinner. I think I have one of those. I yeah. And then some people also, what they'll do is they'll put on masks, um, mm-hmm. like the breathing masks, because they don't want to touch their face. Or even even if they do touch their face, they're, they're, you know, they're protected. Mm-hmm. And if you touch your eyes, you know, just put on, put on glasses so you're not touching your eyes so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? This, uh, this one guy did an experiment. Um, he basically took this... Um, it's basically this powder that, that can only be seen in black light. And he basically took to a classroom and he did it, did this cool experiment. I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Like you unknowingly, unknowingly, you know, Mark Robert, um, you unknowingly touch your face and, and it's just weird. It's just crazy how we do that. Mm-hmm. It's like those unconscious things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, but is my face still there? Is my nose still there? It's like my hand, uh, your hands are automatically checking, you know, <laughs> letting your brain know. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Oh, wow. Well, um, this has been pretty great, man. I, I like the way we're uh, going in, in the direction. So what, you know, what motivates you to be the coach that you are? And you did mention you're a coach. Yeah, so I work mainly with folks around career transition mm-hmm. um, and up-leveling their leadership. So um, with a lot of folks, it's, hey, I'm in this career that doesn't feel authentic to me and mm-hmm. I feel unfulfilled and stuck. And yeah. I want to create something that's more free and genuine to who I am as a person, but I'm just not sure where to start. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the, the thing that gets me really passionate and motivated about it, in, at least in some senses, is because that's my story. Like, that it's the thing that I went through. I know that experience of going to college for a business degree and then feeling like this was the path that I had to take. I had to work in like a larger organization. Mm-hmm. I, I had to, um, you know, do, do whatever, do whatever it was. And when I got to that place, you know, I mentioned earlier where I missed my sales quota, it's kind of all that crumbled. And I realized like, Oh, I, like actually I don't care at all what people think about what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't care at all that people, you know, know that I work at LinkedIn or whatever it is. And it took me some time to get there. Like <laughs> I was terrified to update my LinkedIn profile uh-huh. so that I was an entrepreneur. It took me like two months to do it because I was <laughs> afraid to like tell people that that's what I was doing. So granted, yeah. you know, I've, I've had some experience, but now being on the other side, I'm like, I could not give any, I don't, I don't care at all, mm-hmm. you know, 
people think about what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. I love what I'm doing. I think I feel so grateful and so lucky to be able to do the work that I do and to get paid to do the work that I do and to have the lifestyle that I have. Like, I, I, I don't care if I was the only person working in my business for the rest of my life. I hope that's mm -hmm. not the case. But if that was the case, I'd be yeah. totally okay with it. And if, you know, most people didn't know what I did or my company, that's, that's totally cool with me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think part of what motivates me is um, just knowing the experience that I had and knowing that a lot of people are in the exact same place and how much opens up in terms of your ability to experience life when you realize that the, the reason that you're making decisions most of the time is not conscious and more so has to do with this very deep-seated set of beliefs and you, know, you could call them instructions about who yeah. you are and who you're supposed to be and how life is supposed to go. And in, in a very nihilistic, uh, philosophical sense, like nothing means anything, right? Like there's literally yeah. no, the only meaning that anything has is what we assign it. So everything is made up of stories, stories which we don't have to believe. Like we can actually rewrite those stories and write things that are more empowering for us. Um, and in a sense, totally rewrite reality. Like you can totally rewrite how your life is going and the types of relationships that you're in and the work experiences that you get to have. Um, but it requires a level of awareness and internal work that you can do by yourself and what I found in working with a coach was I just 10X'd it. Like I thought I was doing, like I thought I was doing personal development work beforehand. And yeah. I was, oh, I'm a really self-aware person. I'm very reflective, you know. Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And then as soon as I started working with a coach, I was like, oh my God, I was taking baby steps. <laughs> like comparatively, Man. like having someone who's trained, literally trained to be able to reflect things back to you and you're speaking and to be able to support you in covering, you know, uncovering those core stories and, and those um, the elements of conditioning and supporting you and getting to a place where you actually get to from the bottom up how your life goes and what it looks like and the things that you experience. That to me is just incredibly exciting. Um, and I just love people. I just love people all the way up and down. And the, the work that I've done internally has gotten me to a place where I've realized that the things that I thought were wrong with myself, they're, they're not problems. Like they're not, they're not actually real. Like the flaws mm -hmm. that I thought that I had are, are not flaws at all. They're just yeah. who I am as a person. And so it's given me the opportunity to be much more compassionate with myself yeah. and also much more compassionate with other people. Because I'm a firm believer that everyone is doing the best that they can with the tools that they have available. And people have very different tools. And a lot of times that had nothing to do with their innate goodness or worth as a human. Yeah. It had to do with where they grew up, who their parents were, you know, and what they went through. So the idea of supporting people in um, removing those stories and giving them better tools so that they can go out and help other people get better tools. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, that's awesome. No, that's beautiful. Really beautiful. Because I keep thinking, you know, you're comparing a frog with a butterfly. Well, they're never going to be able to compete with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So don't put those limitations on yourself because your tools are not going to be the same tools as somebody else is going to use. Yep. You cannot use tools that are used for jewelry to yep. go do woodworking. So you have to be very specific on what tools and, and you know, what outcome you're looking to do. And that experience that you're looking for, which everyone is, this yeah. one where we feel like we belong, we're loved, we have work that's fulfilling, we get paid mm -hmm. when we want to get paid, we have freedom yeah. and time and flexibility, that is available for everyone. But the way that you get there is going to be totally different. Yeah. And so there is no way that you can look at other people and use what they did and use their strategies to create that experience for yourself. The mm -hmm. only way that you can get there is going internally, trusting that you're already enough and that you have the tools inside of you to be able to create that experience. But it's a totally different approach <laughs> and one that unfortunately is not more commonly focused on. And so no. that's, that's a huge advocate of, you know, how I talk with people and things that I talk about mm -hmm. um, is this, you know, very different way of thinking about it. No, that's really powerful, and I totally love it. It's almost like you're going to the center of the earth mm -hmm. and all the different problems that you're going to face that you've never thought about. Or maybe you've thought about it, and because answering those questions and doing that homework of working on yourself, and that's the thing, right? People don't want, like a lot of people don't want to work on themselves. Yep. 
like yeah. myself included. I'm like, um, I'll do that research later. <laughs> Can I do the marketing part first? <laughs> like, that's not gonna work. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. And it's it's I totally get it, right? Like I don't yeah. I don't judge people for that because yeah. it's scary. It's scary. It's a scary it's, thing to, to, scary. to start to go internally and, you know, to look at your insecurities and to look at your fears because there's a lot of pain associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, it's like the only thing that I can do is there are some people I can't work with because some people aren't ready to go there. Some yeah. people aren't coachable. Some people mm-hmm. aren't actually open to taking a look. And that's totally fine. Um, yeah. The only thing that I can do is hold the space and make the invitation and be ready for those people when they are ready to yeah. do the inner work and, um, you know, do all those kinds of things. But it's like the only thing that I can do right now is like stand on the top of the hill and mm-hmm. like shout loving things down at people. <laughs> and like when they're ready, <laughs> when they're ready to come up, they'll come up. And like, yes. you know, I, I'll just have to, I'll be waiting for them. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Really cool, man. Come on, come to the top by going through yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love it. All right, so we've talked about your journey, you know, how you got here and where you're heading. Where are you heading anyways? Oh, man, um, nowhere in the near future, <laughs> um, <laughs> which actually is not a problem. I'm more of a homebody anyways. I'm more yeah. So this whole thing of like working from home and quarantining, I'm like, it's cool. I don't go out much anyways. So <laughs> What's funny is that I've, I saw a lot of people posting you know, everybody's like, oh my God, I have to work from home, have to work from home. And all the people that are gamers that mm-hmm. spend hours in their dungeon playing video games. <laughs> like, like, we cool. got this. This is a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I think at a higher level, though, like where I'm going is um, just like creating more love and joy out in the world. And uh, I think the ways, the the main vehicles that I'm using to do that are my coaching. So working with people individually, it's Mm -hmm. my podcast, it's, um, you know, the events um, that I, that have been put on hold, but I'm looking at doing, you know, virtual versions of those events. Yeah. I'd love to do, you know, speaking, I'd love to do more writing. Like, I just think these, these topics and these concepts are so important. And it's really exciting to think about how I can encapsulate the things that I've learned and the journey that I've been on and, you know, provide it to people in a way that allows them to come to the same realizations. Uh, You know, because there's, there's no downside in, in people becoming more self-aware. There's literally Mm -hmm. no downside. It's upside. Um, And the more people that do it, the more they impact the people that are around them. And it's just awesome, you know, ripple effect. Exactly. Wow. I love it, man. This is, this is really powerful stuff. This is, this is what this podcast is about. You know, you're hacking through life with hobbies and um, talking about virtual meetings, right? This is one way that we are able to connect. Like you're in your home, I'm in my home, we're social distancing, but you know, having a conversation. Um, I, I was reached out by a friend and they were like, Hey, I have all these coaches that, that all their events are canceled. How can we do this where, you know, you, you, you combining, um, combining Zoom, you know, video conferencing and Eventbrite. Like, how can we do this? Mm. I'm like, let me do some research. Let me talk to Zoom. Let me talk to, you know, see what I can find. And I ran into two different startups that recently came out of stealth mode one of them is called RunTheWorld.today, enables you to set up virtual conferences. I was like, holy smokes, this is so powerful. They have like a, you know, they have a whole calendar of speakers. And so you can like jump into that conference, you know, webinar here, webinar there. And then, you know, talking to people that are in there and they have like virtual rooms. I'm like, this is pretty interesting. I'm sure a lot of people are employing some sort of this and that. Yeah. It's like, how do we connect even if we can't physically be with each other? Yeah. Um, last night, I actually had a virtual dinner party. Nice. I do, I do, I do a lot of um, improv here in Chicago. And uh-huh. so just set it up or somebody else set it up. But it was a lot of my improv friends. We just got all, all got on Zoom and just nice. like had dinner and we all ate dinner together and just like <laughs> added. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, doing, doing what you can with the tools that we have. And yeah. um, that sort of thing. 
And then a lot of the uh, a lot of the mentors, or like for example, Pat Flynn's been doing a live video every day on YouTube, at answering people's questions, right? Nice. And then there's other people uh, they're doing live videos, and it's really inspiring to see. Okay, people now actually using these technologies that YouTube has been pushing, Facebook has been pushing, and it's been really really cool to see all of that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into some of the questions that I asked my guests uh, towards the end of the episode. What is one hobby that you wish you got into? Oh, man. Okay, I have a lot of answers for this. Do mm-hmm. I have to pick one or can I, can I share multiple? You can share multiple. Yes. Okay, cool. So um, I, it's funny, when I moved to Chicago, I was like, I should do hobbies because I've never done hobbies before. <laughs> so I went, I took a, a photography class, which was, which was awesome. Loved yeah. it. Still do a lot of it. Um, and then the next year I was like, I want to do improv. So I did improv, still do a lot of it, love it. Uh, and, you know, especially given the current situation, I'm now looking at like, all right, what's my next hobby going to be? Um, and so there's a couple things that come up for me. One is um, drawing. I really Mm -hmm. love and feel moved by people who can just sketch things just from their God. Yeah. It's crazy. Like people, especially people who are really talented illustrators. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I so wish I could do that. Just like see something in my brain and bring it to life on paper and just do it for fun. Like that just sounds like such a cool creative outlet. So I think I'm going to, I'm thinking I'm going to start doing that. I was literally like, I'm going to go to target later and, (laughs) and also get some you know drawing supplies uh but uh, a c- couple other things i really would love to do um uh, musical lessons at some point i'd really mm-hmm. love to learn how to play the guitar mm-hmm. um, i'd love to take vocal lessons i think that would be really interesting and kind of confronting like it's a little bit scary yeah uh, that would be cool uh and then the last one and this is the answer that i um give to people sometimes like occasionally maybe once i got asked the question um, if you could snap your fingers and be good at anything, like what, what would it be? And for me, it's hip hop dancing. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. If I could pick one thing, nice. <laughs> I could snap my fingers and be great Sorry. at it. Good yeah. at hip hop dancing. <laughs> nice. That's, that's so funny. Um, on the drawing part, my, my brother-in-law is really good. He's really good. He, he, he can draw Batman and all these superheroes. Mm-hmm with excellent accuracy. I was like, Oh my God, how do you do this? And he is a programmer. Mm-hmm. But then I follow these, um, these folks on TikTok and Instagram and there's just so amazing artists, um, on paper. And it's just so mm-hmm. beautiful to, to see their creations. Yeah. It's the practice thing. Yeah. It's just, practice it's that practice, man, time. Mm-hmm. All right. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Oh my goodness. Um, I always have a really hard time with answering what my favorite movie is because mm-hmm. I think it just depends on my mood. Yeah. Um, but I think if I had to go with my most watched television show, it's definitely The Office. Like nice. I think I've probably seen it's double digits now. Oh, wow. <laughs> not at least like almost 20 times that I've seen the first six, six ep- seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are good one, ones. One the, yeah, yeah. Corral leaves. I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't, you know, it just isn't my cup of tea anymore. Um, but like, it's just funny. Like, anytime I'm watching TV, anytime I'm just like have a break, I'll just like throw on an episode of The Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes me feel better. That's hilarious. Um, I would do that with Seinfeld. Mm. That's one of my. That's favorites. actually one that I've never. I've watched a couple episodes, but uh-huh. I need to watch more. Um, cause I loved the first, I think actually I might've watched like the first couple episodes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously people love the show. So yeah. that's what I need to get into. No, I never watched it because I didn't grow up in, in the States. And when it was, you know, when it was airing, I wasn't, I wasn't in the States. So I didn't have access to television. I, I can't remember, but I finally watched it, you know, binge watched the whole thing. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And I would like bring up. <laughs> So one time in Seinfeld and then, you know, yeah. colleagues and like, oh my God, she's this guy <laughs> Seinfeld all over again. Because I'm sure you do that with the office. Oh yeah. Right? Non-stop. To people, Literally nonstop. Right? Like, I'll, yeah. like, you know, I'll, I'll take um, Snapchats and Instagram videos of, yeah. of scenes and like send them to people. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, I still get a super positive response. It's just, it's just like one of those things that everybody can kind of relate on. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very neat. 
All right, next one. What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Oh, man, <laughs> these questions. Um, oh, man. If I got to play a character. Uh, <laughs> I think, I don't know, my, my brain immediately goes to like a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Avengers, I really like the Avengers. Oh, actually, here's, here's probably what I would say. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. Peter Quill. I don't know what it is about that character that I just like. He's so good, right? <laughs> that I really relate to because he's kind of, <laughs> kind of a dummy and, um, you know, but he's just like, I don't know. He's just very human. I think that's, I think that's what it is. I think that's he's what it is. Very he's a very human, human guy. In an and, alien uh, world, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I love those movies too, so. Nice. I love it. Um, so the, the origin of this question came from Ready Player One. Ooh, and if, if you, you read the book? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 And in the book, you know, he has to be Matthew Broderick in war games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, hey, that'd be a really good question to, to ask. Nice. I love that. All right. So next question, might, I, might, I already know the answer, but let's see what mm-hmm. you think. Okay. Who is your favorite superhero? So, Alex, I'm going to change up my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably Iron Man. Oh, love that man. Iron Man's arc in the Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's so powerful. Yeah. The Like, if you watch the first Iron Man movie to mm-hmm. you know, Endgame and uh, Avengers, like, the arc that he takes yeah. and coming back around at the end, like, I'm actually getting goosebumps even talking about this. Um, <laughs> Me too. Like, uh, just him, like him choosing for love, like him choosing from this place of just unconditional love and compassion and like being willing to almost like sacrifice yourself in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so interesting because I, I realize every time I rewatch that movie, I, I pick up on other things. And there's a ton that, that has to do with like, um, you know, uh, masculine archetypes and mm-hmm. what it means to be purpose driven and achieving said purpose. And um, vulnerability and all these pieces. And um, yeah, I just think that there's something so cool and um, inspiring about that. Absolutely. And I recently rewatched Iron Man 3 because I think that one's a really powerful one too mm-hmm. because you get to see the man behind the mask. And it's like, I was using it as a cocoon and now I'm mm-hmm. out on the other side. Yeah. It's a really powerful arc, and uh, yeah. and he just played it so well. It's just mm-hmm. that's him. He's like perfect. Yeah, it's like nobody <laughs> else can really play. Iron no, Man. it's <laughs> impossible. <laughs> yeah. Like no, you can't be Iron Man. And and that's that's one thing I like about Marvel, uh-huh. is that, well, it hasn't been that long yet. I mean, it's been what ten years. Because mm-hmm. with Batman and Superman, they've recasted that character over and over you know mm-hmm. for the past two three decades and spider-man has been recasted a couple you know three times also mm-hmm. but that's because they didn't build a good enough story i mean i think the first spider-man series was really awesome with um toby um, mcguire toby i relate to that one a lot more because i, I was a lot younger um then the ones i mean and, and and now tom holland has done a really good job also like tom holland it's like wow like it's he they just changed the whole dynamic of it and then now spider-man being part of you know the avengers and the marvel universe it, it mm-hmm. gives you a, a totally different types of goosebumps so that's pretty mm-hmm. amazing agreed last question if you were a board game what would it be <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, these questions. Um, oh man, uh, man, this is an interesting question because I don't, I don't play many board games. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess my brain goes to the board game that I know that or you I played play before. Consistently yeah. is um, Settlers, Settlers of Catan. Oh yeah. Catan, how, you Catan know, yeah yeah um i don't know it's just like it's you know it's like easy to understand but there's like mm-hmm. a lot of strategy yeah uh, in it 
and um, I associate it with a lot of feelings of like community and friendship and um, just like joy and uh, laughter. Absolutely. So I think it's I guess it, that would be my answer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really cool answer. And and the game itself is almost like life. Like you mm -hmm. are you you don't know where you're gonna start from. Mm -hmm. And you don't know, you know, which road you're gonna take to expand your horizon because you can land be next to a desert <laughs> or be next to, you know, wood but you don't have access to sheep or whatever and you know now you gotta like find luck in life to be able to get that it's um, like action inadaptable game. and yeah there's a lot of ways to win in that exactly. game exactly yeah it's really cool awesome man well thank you so much for your time man where can my audience find you Yes. So easiest place is just my website, which is just HaydenHumphrey.com. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also super um, active, especially nowadays on Facebook and mm -hmm. just by my name um, yeah. or on Instagram at Hayden as himself. Perfect. Well, Hayden, thank you so much for your time. This was a fun conversation. Um, you know, we got to learn about your superheroes and your TV shows and your your hobbies and, and uh, you know, your journey. So it's been, it's been super awesome talking with you. Let's keep in touch and talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to Hacks and Hobbies. You can find additional information on the guest today on the website, hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests. 